the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back and happy December 21st, 2020. In 1943, Chief Justice of the U.S. Supreme Court Harlan Fisk, uh, Harlan Fisk Stone, and placed as Chief Justice by Franklin Delano Roosevelt, wrote, quote, Distinctions between citizens solely because of their ancestry are by their very nature odious to a free people whose institutions are founded upon the doctrine of equality, close quote. Ten years later, Thurgood Marshall wrote in his brief on behalf of the NAACP for Brown versus Board of Education, quote, Distinctions by race are so evil, so arbitrary and invidious that a state bound to defend the equal protection of the laws must not invoke them in any public sphere, close quote. Ten years after that, John F. Kennedy said, quote, It ought to be possible here for every American and to enjoy the privileges of being American without regard to his race or his color. In short, every American ought to have the right to be treated as he would wish to be treated as one would wish his children to be treated. Close quote. A little more than a decade after that, the Supreme Court wrote in the Bakke decision, quote, It is far too late to argue that the guarantee of equal protection to all persons permits the recognition of special wards entitled to a degree of protection greater than that accorded others, close quote. And yet, here today, when someone is asked on television or elsewhere what makes Xavier Becerra qualified to be the Secretary of Health and Human Services or Marsha Fudge to be the Secretary of Housing and Urban Development, when asked about their qualifications, without batting an eye, the first answer from any expert or politico is something close to, well, they fulfill a racial category, or they represent the fill-in-the-blank community, close quote. In other words, the first answer is that their race qualifies them. The person answering doesn't think twice about it, and the person asking the question doesn't think twice about the answer. It's just a rational decision because it's a decision based on race, and that's what we do here now. The merits and the qualifications never come up. I say it's what we do here now. It's what a lot of people do here now and what probably more will be forced to do here now. Why do we do that? Why do a lot of people do that now? Historical discrimination is certainly one answer. Diversity is another. But neither of these claims are ever examined. If historical discrimination is the reason, do we ever ask what these achieved individuals experienced as discrimination? If diversity is the answer, do we ever ask why diversity itself is important and if it's more important than the job? Let's take Health and Human Services. It's a department, obviously, having to do with public health. Has anyone ever thought when it came to their individual health that the race of the doctor was the most important or decisive factor in hiring them? If you had need for brain surgery some years ago and you could choose between Ben Carson and Michael DeBaki, Carson being one of the most respected brain surgeons in the world, who is also black, DeBaki being one of the most famous heart surgeons in the world, who was white, who would you choose for your brain surgeon? 
If you had need for heart surgery, would you choose Carson or DeBakey? Would you ask Carson's team or DeBakey's team how many minorities were going to be part of the surgical team? Would that be important to you at all? Take housing. When you pay your rent, is it important that your apartment owner or rent collector is a certain color? Or do you want a functioning domicile that is kept up? In the education of your children, if you could have Saul Khan or Jaime Escalante as your child's math teacher or tutor, who would you choose? Sal is of Indian descent. Escalante, Hispanic. Both award-winning math teachers, but what slot of diversity do you want or would they fill for you? Would it matter to you? Or what if the choice was some other teacher unknown to the world and not as good as Khan or Escalante, but of African-American or Native American descent? Your child never having had a Native American teacher before, perhaps you would choose that person over Escalante or Khan. That would be diversity in education, wouldn't it? I say perhaps you would when, of course, you know and I know you would not. Because when it comes to you, your circumstances, your family, your children, diversity is actually, upon examination, maybe one of the least important goals. Success and excellence would rather top the list. Ability to get it done well. But some will say it's an important societal goal, if not an individual goal. Very well, why? Historical neglect and or, and or discrimination, perhaps. To be sure, but what was the basis for the historical neglect and discrimination? The basis for it was, in the words of Chief Justice Stone, as in the words of Thurgood Marshall, distinctions based on race. And in those days, the distinctions were made against anyone who was not Caucasian. But was it wrong because we knew deep down that Asian is ipso facto more qualitative than Caucasian or that black was ipso facto more qualitative than Caucasian? Or was it wrong because we were saying ipso facto Caucasian was either more qualitative than either, or if not more qualitative, just what we did, because we thought lesser of other races and ethnicities? Harvard famously did this with Jews, putting a cap, a quota, on how many could be admitted in a given year, or as well as other Ivy Leagues. Deep down, we all kind of knew it was wrong, even if we didn't admit it, because A, we knew it was simply wrong. And B, we knew what societies dedicated to that wrongheadedness could do with it in the extreme, be it slavery or a concentration camp. Why did we know it was simply wrong? Well, there's a lot to in here from that question. I guess, first of all, it's because it's unnatural. Nobody is born thinking one skin color or another determines or means anything. As the old song goes from South Pacific, you have to be carefully taught to hate. Biblically, we know we all came from one human and we have no concept of his race. It simply never mattered, neither to nature nor to God, or to people not carefully taught that it mattered. To wit, if I may borrow from Rav Aurora, somebody forgot to tell Japanese Americans that they could not own land in parts of America, and though they were interned here in our parents' and grandparents' lifetimes, they shouldn't be able to succeed here. Somehow that memo didn't get to them. Someone forgot to tell them because their income disparities with Caucasian Americans disappeared a decade and a half after all that ended. And today Japanese Americans outperform whites by large margins in income statistics, education outcomes, test scores, and incarceration rates. 
Someone also forgot to tell Pakistani Americans, Lebanese Americans, South African Americans, Filipino Americans, Sri Lankan Americans, and Iranian Americans because they all out earn Caucasians here too. But African Americans do not, you say. Well, somebody forgot to tell Nigerians, Barbadians, Ghanaians, Trinidadians, and Tobagonians here because their household incomes also outrun Caucasian incomes. But here we are, more than two generations after the third Thurgood Marshall position in Brown v. Board and four years after a two-term elected African-American president, being told that institutional racism in America and white privilege must be addressed wholesale with diversity selections for positions and reserved spots in employment and education because evidently we don't believe judging people by race is wrong here anymore. We now believe distinctions between citizens solely because of their ancestry are by their very nature critically important to a free people whose institutions are founded upon the doctrine of equality, we are told, aren't we? In other words, freedom and equality must now stand for neither freedom of thought nor equality of citizenship based on the common condition of being human, but based on the notion that white equals bad. And more must be atoned for. This is what we see when we talk about white privilege and having to apologize for. It's what we see in the school curricula in Seattle as much as in schools in New York, as much as at the Smithsonian with their anti-whiteness project. Take the Dalton School in New York, one of the most privileged schools in America. Tuition, elementary through secondary, over $50,000 a year. A series of proposals for that school includes these, quoting from the New York Post, Hiring 12 full-time diversity officers and multiple psychologists to support students coping with race-based traumatic stress. Assigning a staffer dedicated to black students who have complaints or face disciplinary action and a full-time advocate to help black kids navigate a predominantly white institution. Paying the student debt of black staffers upon hiring them. Requiring courses that focus on black liberation and challenges to white supremacy compensating any student of color who appears in Dalton promotional material, abolishing high-level academic courses by 2023 if the performance of black students is not on par with non-blacks. Now, it would seem to me that last one would in and of itself carry a mark of discrimination by assumption about one particular race. It also seems to me tuition for everyone will go up, especially with 12 new hires for the position of diversity officer. I wonder, by the way, what a diversity officer does or will do. The notion of it kind of frightens me. Call it a race officer. That's what other regimes have had, an authority or authoritarian enforcer whose job it is to enforce racial consciousness, compliance, and, of course, punishment. This is the world we now live in, and it's getting worse. If you think that sort of thing bad or odious even, it's getting worse. A modern-day race consciousness. But the history of this country is one that runs a common thread that began in 1776 with a promise and ethic of equality all the way through the speeches and writings of Abraham Lincoln and the deeds of the Union soldiers and the Civil War to the kind of case law and dicta I opened this monologue with. Which is precisely why to get to a modern day race consciousness, all of that has to be excised and cut out from our history. 
Now you can understand why the Smithsonian has a campaign against whiteness and San Francisco is taking Abraham Lincoln's name off of school. For the only way to understand our new ethic is to erase any semblance or history of our old ones. Too bad the old ones we've come to venerate taught us rightly and the new ones teach us so poorly. Knowing our history, it turns out, is not always a march forward. Distorted, it can be a march backward. It can even be an invention of things we used to abhor. There is a meme that was put up on the Huffington Post website reading this, quote, Is coffee racist? How drinking coffee perpetuates white supremacy. The black beverage is created by black people for black people. As a white person drinking coffee, you are oppressing BIPOC, people of color. You know what's weird about that? I'm old enough to remember learning about the Greensboro Four, four black college students who helped start the modern civil rights movement by demanding they be served coffee at a segregated counter in North Carolina. Now it's whites who can't drink coffee? We're depriving people they're drinking of coffee because of their skin color again? I guess Thurgood Marshall was wrong. Distinctions by race aren't so evil, so arbitrary and invidious after all. I'm Seth Leapson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. If you're looking for entertainment that'll lift you up, give you some inspiration, I want to encourage you to go to SalemNow.com and watch Poor to CEO The Incredible Journey of Herman Cain. Herman was a beloved man. And the uh, movie uh, details his rise from the humblest of beginnings to the CEO of Godfather's Pizza. Add to that a presidential run, a battle over cancer, a great career in radio. He was an amazing man um, who embodied all the values we strive for or um, want others to strive for. Hard work, strong education, belief in God, living each day thankfully with a thankful heart. Porta CEO is one of the most inspirational, entertaining films of the year, and you can watch it right now at SalemNow.com. That's SalemNow.com. Use the promo code PHOENIX to save 20%. Porta CEO, the Herman Cain story at SalemNow.com. Phone number 602-508-0960. Hope you had a good weekend. Uh, got some uh, great guests coming up today and a lot to cover. The new stimulus bill looks like it's now in the offing. Um, there's a lot of scandal to it. Uh, the first uh, part of the scandal is that they're doing it now at a lower number than Nancy Pelosi um, was willing to say no to back in the summer, uh, willing to say yes to back in the summer, I should say. They were looking at over $1 trillion dollars. They were looking at a $1.6 trillion bill that she said no to over the summer. Um, and now she's on board with a $900 billion bill. She told us why. She said because we have a new president. That means she was playing politics with bailout money, with stimulus aid. I never want to hear again, ever, that the Republicans uh, don't care about the working class, don't care about the working poor, that they will put... Uh, people second to politics. I never want to hear that kind of talk from them again. I never want to see ads on disruption of Social Security or Medicare or Medicaid and risky schemes. Nancy Pelosi played dice, played dice with 
shutdowns and people's livelihoods and people's abilities to um, have some remuneration for the shutdowns and lockdowns because she didn't want Donald Trump to take um, the presidential credit uh, because she doesn't know, how, I guess, how to use her bully pulpit or her bullhorn as loudly as he does his. That's what it comes down to, isn't it? Doesn't it? She didn't feel she'd get the credit. That's exactly what she said. We have a new president. That's what made this possible. Well, we had another president that also made more money possible over the summer. Uh, that's maybe the scandal of the year when you quite when you sit down to think about it and uh, stop to think about it. Uh, the other scandal is going to be that um, the money in here, the money in here. So it's it's six hundred dollars to families. Excuse me, six hundred dollars to individuals. Uh, that tear out after a certain income level, 150000 for families tears out. But $600 per individual, how much, how much relief does that give someone who's been out of work? How much relief does that give a small business uh, owner or a waiter? Then there's this third thing that I just kind of find a head-scratcher, to be honest with you. Um, we're all in it, and I get that, and we all pay for this. To a degree, I get it. To a degree, because this is to make people, if not whole, because you can't make them whole with 600 bucks, but this is to give some people some remuneration for the shutdown policies. But it's the federal treasury that's paying for the decisions of the states. Are you aware of – has anyone thought that through? I mean some states did uh, better and worse than other states when it came to shutdowns. I, off the top of my head, I, I don't know what state had the – had the most minimal of shutdowns, but I, I would guess it's South Dakota. Um, and I don't know which state had the harshest, but I'm going to guess it's either Michigan, uh, New York, or New Jersey. Uh, California now may be in that list. And so the federal treasury is bailing out not decisions that the federal government made. The federal government doesn't have a constitutional right to shut down businesses. It's states under emergency health orders. That's a that's another issue to this. And then finally, when you go through this 5,000-plus number of pages that no one in Congress can possibly have read, people are finding interesting things here and there, interesting things. Why are we sending $700 million to another country like the Sudan? Why are we sending money to Pakistan? Um all our veterans taken care of here? We good on that? All our veterans' health? Um, we, we got all that covered and buttoned up now. We can take care of people in the Sudan and Pakistan. $82 billion to education. $82 billion to education. Basically the budget of the Department of Education. Basically their discretionary budget is what we've given them. We've doubled that. You could have given $1,000 stimulus checks to everyone over the age of 18 rather than 600 if you didn't do that. So there's going to be that as well. Mark me unimpressed by Congress right now. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. 34 past the hour brings to us one of my favorite people in all of Arizona, John Dombrowski of Grand Canyon Planning and Associates. He does our culture and economy update. His website, grandcanyonplanning.com. 
com. Happy Monday, John. Mr. Leibson, how are you today? I'm well, sir. How are you? Fantastic. What did you do this weekend? Anything remarkable? Uh, a little bit of fun, a little decorating around the house for Christmas. Oh, I bet. Yeah. yeah, to, yeah. Just a little. To just you, a little. little I, I've seen your house at Christmas time. <laughs> a little decorating at your house oh. is like the equivalent of... Um, of a sip of water huh. out of uh, Niagara Falls. <laughs> yeah, I actually had to take a uh, one of those uh, little like pain aspirin things last night before I went to bed to help me with all the steps. I can't even tell you how many steps I did yesterday. It was ridiculous. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. <sighs> all right, it's finally here. The yes. stimulus package. Yes. Mark oh me not totally impressed. I have to tell you, I am not totally okay. impressed. Okay, yeah. we're on the same page. Yeah. Talk uh, to me what you see. Well, I mean, it's six hundred dollars, right? right? So it's half of what uh, the prior stimulus bill was. Right. But it's uh, actually for a family of four, two children. You know, a husband and wife. Uh, you could get up to twenty four hundred dollars, depending on your income. Right. Uh, but again, that, uh, many are saying it's just a little too little and too late. Yeah. What set. does an unemployed waiter do yeah. with six hundred dollars? Exactly. It's and I mean, they did uh, leave a little bit of room for. Uh, Enhancing the unemployment. Yes, benefits. I saw that. There's the unemployment stuff. There's some rent weeks. abatement stuff. Yes, and, but uh, also there's seven hundred million dollars going to the Sudan. Yeah, well, that's important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The tax implications kind of look interesting. Um, aside from the PPP break, the Wall mm-hmm. Street Journal tells us the bill would extend a tax credit for struggling employers who keep workers on the payroll, and it would let recipients of certain tax credits qualify based on their last year's incomes. Yeah, uh, it's going to be an interesting um, uh, time here. You know, I, I, Seth, I, I, th- it's great that they got finally got something done, but it's just hard to believe that it took the months that it took for, for them to get this done, which, as I said, uh, many just don't believe it's going to really be No, I don't. Uh, worth, I, I, worth yeah, no, I'm with you. Over the energy. summer, over the summer, Republicans were proposing yeah. something like $1.6 yeah. Yeah. trillion. Yeah, and now here we are. And Nancy lower. Pelosi yeah. balked at that, saying it was too low, but mm-hmm. she'll now go for $900 billion per her because there's a new president coming in. I don't think there's any— uh, there's the, That's a political scandal of the year, John. Uh, Certainly, certainly, it's going to be high, highly ranked as one of many. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh huh. But uh, I just don't. I don't know how anyone is going to be feeling good about this and and touting that they they uh, you know got something magnificent done here. If this is certainly nothing, it, it falls short in many ways. I think so too. I think so too. By the way, it would take forty stimulus checks to buy her freezer. Mm. Yeah. Just so you know. Well, and probably. Maybe one or two stimulus checks to buy the ice cream she stocks. The ice too. cream itself, yeah. yes, you got you know exactly. Hey, did you know, Seth? Uh, this is important. This yeah. is really something to think about with all of the technology that's happening right now. Uh, in 1968, we'll go back to a little bit of uh, culture here. Yeah. Apollo 8 departed for the moon's orbit. Right. Nice. Now that was Apollo 8, and that was. Uh, 1968, December 21. Okay. And just a short time after that, in 1969, only seven months later, we saw the first man walk on the moon. Right. It's amazing that we're seeing the technology speaking now of maybe, you know, paying to go up in space. Yeah. I mean, we're very close to that, Seth, in reality. And here, that's just, you know, 40, 50 years ago that the first person was on the moon. We're not talking about moonshots again with uh, – with private uh, people, but we are, are talking about space space travel. This is this is getting interesting, and there's a lot of people who uh, contact me and they're talking about how can I get in, you know, get in to on be that. part of this, yeah, and yeah. 
And so there are ways if someone is really interested in this. But I would just say this. It's, it's, it's a long, this is a really long-term investment. And people have to be very careful that the money they allocate towards this type of an investment is money that they truly understand the risk factors. Who are the two leading private guys? Is it Tesla and uh, Branson? Is it is that it? Yeah, or? those those are two. Yeah. Yes, those are the ones in that the are private out sector. Mm-hmm, anyway. In the private sector, and and there are others. You know, some of the other. Uh, be interesting, but, but to many do of an them analysis. have many of them had failed. Yeah, no, it'd be time. interesting to do an analysis. I bet I could do it in a minute yeah. overnight as yeah. to whose company has had a better. Mm-hmm. track record, although well, Branson's we, been around a lot longer. Too. Yes, Branson has, but uh, boy, I'll tell you, uh, Elon is really yeah. on, the, on the cutting edge of he a He knows of something, doesn't yes. he? Yeah, he knows something. <laughs> he knows to leave California. Yeah, yeah he moved to Texas. It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Securities and advisory services offered through Client One Securities LLC, a member of Finman Sipic and an investment advisor. Grant King and Planning Associates LLC and Client One Securities LLC are not affiliated. How did you know that you had to go into that right then? Uh, I, I, just, I didn't say we need to wrap it up. There was no music. Uh, just intuitive. I, I heard the little little music oh, you trailer did? there. Yes. Well, yes. I'm glad you can hear it. Yes. I've got I've got my I got big ears. I guess. God bless you, John. All right. Dobrowski. Thank you, Seth. We'll talk to you soon. Bye bye. Bye. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602-508-0960. John's in Peoria. Hi, John. Seth, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing fine, my friend. Where are you headed? Uh, See, you knew who it was, yeah. I'm headed down to an office to pick up a check. I have two Johns in Peoria. One is by way of Praetoria, and one is you. That's me. Yeah. The restaurant, Yes. Yes. And I was hoping you would tell me you were on your way to some fun restaurant, some eating establishment. No, not today. Okay. When you met, we met down at, and you'll remember. You you gave me something very special that I treasure. Yes, sir. You You bet. So you know who I am. I know well who you are. Yes. So what was I going to say? Here's the deal. Uh, uh, you were talking to Mr. Dombrowski there. Yes. And you were, the last thing you were talking about was uh, Elon Musk yeah. and then the, the space. Well, I'm going to give you a, uh, I'm going to tell you what's, uh, uh, why he's having such great success. And I'm going to let you guess it. And the first uh, uh, two guesses don't count. So you only got one. I guess the, what nationality one of his main scientists, rocket scientists. <laughs> I don't know, but he himself, is he from South Africa or Australia? Where's he from, Elon? He's not from here, right? I think he may be South Africa, but I'm not sure. Yeah, not I think sure. so, too, for some reason. And the reason I knew he was not born here was I thought he'd be an interesting candidate for president or something, but he can't be. Well, one of his main sci- rocket scientists... Yeah. Guess which nationality or Ugh. former nationality. Is he from Papa Ete? Well, uh, uh, Operation Paperclip. Are you Operation? <laughs> no, I don't know. What, well, maybe I do. What is oper, Remind me. What's Operation Paperclip? Well, what happened after World War II? Yeah. Acquired most, most of Oh, all. this was the German scientist thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. Not only the German scientist. The German rockets. Yeah, like Werner von Braun and those guys, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's coming back to people me People that put us on the moon. Right, yes. right. I'm with you. Okay, people okay. That, well, guess what? 
Elon, one of Elon Musk's top rocket scientists. Guess what? So is it Germany? Yes. Okay, so they know rockets. There. I don't know if he's a full German or he's a German American. Yeah, they know. <laughs> they know rockets. Why he's having? Why he's having such success with his, his rockets? Probably a lot of that, and probably a lot of. Um, I get the sense that Elon American Musk. Ingenuity. Well, I was just going to say that, right? I, I get the sense that he has a lot in common with Donald Trump, which is not a lot of patience for silly regulation, for slowness. You think about this Operation Warp Speed, getting the um, vaccine out so fast. Whatever you want to say Absolutely. about the merits or demerits of it, I, I've spoken on both sides of it. But the idea that we could get it through all the FDA and so and and, and other necessary medical uh, industry approvals in seven or eight months when it usually takes four to seven years makes you ask why don't we always do it that way you know it's kind of like the old uh, who 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 used to say the joke whenever there's an airplane they always look for the black box why don't we make the airplane out of the black box you know yeah exactly who who was and that here's the deal uh, anyway, doesn't matter. Go ahead. Yeah, but anyhow, um, and and getting to your point too. Remember what Elon Musk did in the in the summer when they were trying to. Uh, he said, uh, "Go to yeah." He said, "Go to Hades." That's right. He yeah. told he told Newsom, "Go to Hades. I'm leaving." Yeah. You don't. Uh, so one, two, three. Guess what happened? Uh, they 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 uh, backtracked. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or Newsom and his people back. No, he's 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 done some good stuff on that front. Do you know my guest uh, and friend Alex Berenson? Do you know that name? He's uh, the name sounds yeah, familiar. Yeah, he's the former New York Times reporter who's written on a lot of different and interesting things. But he's been really good on COVID stuff, and he has. Oh yes, a, he, didn't he have like three books? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Out? That's exactly right. That Amazon refused to publish, and he and for some and reason, he, yeah, Elon Musk weighed in on that. And scared Amazon, and they published him. He's been a good citizen soldier for us. No, I heard you talk with him. No, very, very, very uh, a decent person. Yeah, and, but, uh, but, but, but he credits person. Elon Musk for making things happen for him. He credits Elon Musk because Elon Musk put the screws to Amazon to publish his stuff. And I love your um, comparison with the president, too, with Elon Musk. Yeah, I, I think, think, I think they have a similar... Um, impatience which can be healthy or unhealthy depending on how it's directed i think in most cases probably fairly healthy that's what see you you're thinking exactly like i just thought right there too second thing i want to tell you president trump tweeted this past weekend plot to you got to view it plot to steal america by man in america and it's on YouTube, and I'm surprised it's almost got a million views. What's now. it called? I'm Plot to, What is it? Plot. Plot to steal America. Plot to by man in America. By YouTube. man in America. Plot to okay. I'll take by it. man in America. Okay. And I will tell you, it is so well done. I mean, you will, you, you can, you know how sometime in your heart you can feel the truth. Yes. That's when you watch this thing, you will say this is. So true. You just know it's so there. You just know it's true. You know yeah. it's there. And the, the, the gentleman that narrates and uh, does the presentation, I mean, uh, I, I mean, he, he is just, it's so spot on. He's so eloquent and he's just, I mean, check it out. I will Please do. I will do. I appreciate check it. That out. I absolutely will. And then last thing I want to tell you is like, I hate okay, hearing that from you. 
It's, what? The conversation's going so well. I hate it when you say the last thing I have for you. Well, I was hoping you'd say I, third to the last, anti-penultimate thing the, I have. No, for you. the next to the last. Okay, thing. okay. Here's the, here's the deal, and you guys play it too on the radio. I don't know if it's part of promotion for Charlie Kirk, uh, but he, and Charlie Kirk even says too that what Mitch McConnell did was a poke in the eye by so so. I don't know. I'm, I mean, I can't grab the word. It's tongue-tying me right now. Effusely delivering his congratulations. I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah, I think I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. So here's the deal. No more no more pussyfoot and Republic. I'm sorry. They don't. They think we can just wash Donald Trump under the rug. And, the the uh, best like thing I fun. saw written on all of this, I have to tell you. Maybe I'll read it on air. If I have time, if not today, tomorrow, Bill, will you remind me the best thing I saw on this, believe it or not, came out over the weekend by Newt Gingrich and it's titled Why I Will Not Give Up. Go check it out. Newt Gingrich, Why I Will Not Give Up. We traded one. We did trade Uh, one. I gave you an assignment and you gave me an assignment. Give me Newt's one more time, please. It's called Why I Will Not Give Up. Why I Will. Okay, excellent. Yeah, please take a look at that and drive safely. And thank you for yes, everything. Yes, sir, likewise. Thank you. God bless thank you. Thank you, buddy. God You're, bless you. You're a good man. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Scott Atlas has a piece uh, in the Wall Street Journal I want to go through with you as well on COVID. He's pointing out something I pointed out earlier. I, I was just reading his piece on the break. I didn't know he also wrote this. But on the point of the federal bailout, first of all, 50 states independently directed and implemented their own pandemic policies. In every case, governors and local officials were responsible for on-the-ground choices, every business limit, school closing, shelter-in-place order, and mask requirement. None of them was set by the federal government. Second, nearly all states used the same draconian policies that people now insist on hardening, even though the number of positive cases increased while people's movements were constrained. Business activities were strictly limited and schools were closed. Huh. Governors in all but a few states, I mentioned South Dakota, he throws in Florida, are notable exceptions. They imposed curfews, quarantines, directives on group gatherings and mask mandates. I don't want to hear that Arizona doesn't have a mask mandate for the weirdos that are saying that the governor has to declare one. Whatever your views are, the city and the county does. So it doesn't it's irrelevant. I mean, the governor doesn't need to. Nor should he. Mobili- and he hasn't. Mobility tracking verifies that people restricted their movement. Gallup and YouGov data show that there is a 90% compliance with wearing, wearing masks. Lockdown policies had baleful effects on local economies, families, and children, and the virus spread anyway. If one advocates more lockdowns because of bad outcomes so far, why don't the results of those lockdowns matter? Fairly so- common sense question. No. Third... The federal government's role in the pandemic has been grossly mischaracterized by the media and the Democrats. That distortion has obscured several significant successes and undermined the confidence of Americans. 
Nice work. Federal financial support and directives enabled the development of a massive state-of-the-art testing capacity and produced billions of dollars of personal protective equipment, what we call PPE. Federal agencies met all requests for supplemental medical personnel and hospital bed capacity. Officials in the Health and Human Services Department say there are no unmet requests for additional resources. Federal government also increased the protection of the elderly during the late summer and fall. This effort included an intensive testing strategy for nursing home staff and residents based on community activity, new proactive warnings to the highest risk elderly living independently, millions of point of care tests and extra personal protective equipment for senior living facilities. He goes on with what the federal government did as opposed to the state's. Federal government has a better record on this than the states. I notice it's kind of humorous to me and sad that Andrew Cuomo is yelling about shut that we should shut down flight from Great Britain because they have this new strain. These are the same people that were yelling at Trump for shutting down flights from China. Can you just hold one position or at least quit getting on your high horse and arrogating to yourself moral authority you never had? <laughs> 